Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 297. Today is Sunday the 7th of October 2018 and this interview is with Melanie Notkin. Melanie founded a robust and thriving community called Savvy Auntie. As such, Melanie is a leading voice of a group of women that has $61 billion in buying power. She's the national best-selling author having penned Savvy Auntie and Otherhood, Modern Women Finding a New Kind of Happiness. She's also a speaker and marketing expert. In this conversation with Melanie, we discuss how she founded and built up the community, her insights and innovations, tips for marketers wanting to build or approach a community. Plus, she's provided us with a scoop. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. So, Melly Notkin, my friend and fellow L'Oreal ex-employee, uh, fellow Canadian, well, at least I'm not actually Canadian, but I feel it in my bones. It's <laughs> great to have you on the show, Melanie. Thanks for getting up and joining me. Uh, Minter, you know I'm thrilled to be on this podcast with you, and yes, I have fond memories of our the, the time we spent, um, minimal unfortunately, but the time we spent uh, together at, at L'Oreal over a dozen years ago Indeed. now at this point for me at least, gosh. So in the in the intervailing times, both of you, both you and I have gone off and done our own thing. And you, so the author of two books, Savianti and Otherhood, and you've founded this wonderful community uh, uh, named essentially Savianti. And I know you're a master of naming uh, different groups and different thoughts. Uh, but tell us more about uh, this Savianti community that you began and. And how it all began, really? Well, you know, I uh, I had always expected that I'd get married and have kids and have a great education and a great career. But in my mid-30s, I was single and childless, still am. And I was thinking about, as a, as a marketer by trade, and certainly at L'Oreal, um, thinking about how we um, market to women and realizing that nobody was marketing to me when I became an aunt. Nobody realized that here I was, a woman who was literally flying back and forth to Paris on behalf of L'Oreal, a cosmopolitan New York City woman with discretionary income. And I would, you know, want to give my nephew and then nieces all these wonderful, splendid gifts, and yet I didn't know what they were into. I didn't know what kids were into these days. And um, and here I was, this, like I said, the sophisticated woman, and I knew nothing about the children that meant most to me. Sure, I had maternal instinct, but I didn't have the language. I didn't know a, what a bugaboo was. <laughs> um, it's a stroller, for those here who don't know. Um, and so I, I thought, you know, here is a market segment that is being ignored, and yet this market segment is among, we know now that I, I uncovered it, and I named it, coined the term Pank, P, like Peter, A-N-K, professional aunt, no kids, this growing trend of women who are having children later, if at all, 
Um, they are single, married, divorced, separated. They are straight, gay. They are every type of woman in America. And yet um, this growing cohort is being ignored. And I thought this is an opportunity to say, you know, it's not just moms that love children. And it's not just moms who should be marketed to with general things from Tropicana orange juice to Tide laundry detergent. And um, and with that, I uh, so I, I, you know, coined the term to identify the the opportunity, the pink. And at the same time, simultaneously, I launched Savvy Ante in the summer of 2008, I can't believe it's 10 years, hmm. um, to to show the solution to this, to find a solution, to offer a solution to this market gap. Um, and, you know, literally, I, I launched at 1 p.m. on, on June um, June 9th, 2000, sorry, July 9th, 2008, and at 1.23 p.m., I got an email from the then agency representing Hasbro and PlaySchool. Wow. And um, just a couple hours later, about 3.15, I got an email from Sephora. And so I knew, right, I mean, of course, those were the longest two, hour, two hours of my life. But essentially, I knew right away that, yes, marketers understood that these women are spending on the children they love as well as on themselves, beauty. Um, and, of course, it went on to other general products that adults purchase. So from um, a marketing standpoint, I'm dying to know, how on earth did you manage to spike Sephora and Hasbro's drinks to call you? I mean, that is, I mean, any marketer's dream to be able to get them on your radar, or is it credit to them for being very sensitive and, and looking at what's happening? Well, um, and I, I should mention also that Disney, um, it, it took them two days. I heard from them on Friday. Um, so... I, before I launched, and again, this is 2000, I had the idea in 2007, launched in 2008, um, I was doing the, the, the then nascent social media circuit and going to these Twitter breakfasts and Facebook lunches and networking, and, um, you know, and, and I got um, Mashable to, to um, mention the launch, and I got TechCrunch to mention the launch, and um, the Washington Post picked it up, and I mean, I and also, you know, this is what we call, you know, the the pre Oprah or pre Ashton Kutcher days on Twitter. The day I launched Savvy Anti was the most tweeted word um, on Twitter. Again, much smaller community ten years ago, but um, I had spent, you know, the better part of the of the year before launch telling people my story, what I was doing, and I think um, again because Twitter was a a smaller community, I was um, I was finding a community of other entrepreneurial people who were rooting for me and rooting for this to work. And I think all of that together, so that sort of the preamble um, to the launch um, is what helped with the amazing press and support. And um, and then, of course, there's, um, you know, what, what was sort of called by some marketers is this sort of the 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 obvious Adam the well of course of, well that's my sister or that's my best friend or well that I remember my aunt used to buy me everything or and and so it was right it was right in front of us 
this whole time. So I think all of that together, um, and and I and I actually invested a lot in the website. Um, it was in fact then Webby Award nominated for for best family slash parenting site. I lost um, proudly to Disney's family.com, <laughs> um, but uh, the the idea was that I, I wanted not just to launch something that looked like I was timid or unsure, would I, should I do it? You know, it it is and was professional. Um, and so it had just attracted a sophisticated marketer. All right, so give us an idea now, Melanie. Uh, we're 2018. A, what type of community do you have and where are they? Because I know you have your, your forum, the Facebook page, and, and, and I want to get into how you manage that. So as we all know, you know, 10 years ago, you had to have a, a, uh, a URL, a www dot something um, to drive people to. And now we know that you have to go to them, and they um, are generally, um, the communities are often on uh, platforms like Facebook. And um, so I have actually focused more of my efforts um, on Facebook, and there are over 100,000 of these savvy aunties on the Facebook page um, at facebook.com slash savvy auntie. And then a, um, a smaller, more intimate group in a, in a private closed group um, called Savvy Auntie, the group on Facebook where they can talk about the things that they may not want to talk about publicly. Um, sometimes it's just because they want to share photos of their nieces and nephews at their graduation or their first tooth or their sleepover with auntie. Um, or sometimes it's because um, they have an issue, a challenge with their sister who said something to them that was insensitive and they wanted advice, etc. So on the page where there are, again, over 100,000, um, these women are um, very engaged because nobody is asked, has asked them the questions or has engaged them in the type of content that I, um, that I do. So, for instance, generally I ask a, an, what I call anti-up, question, A-U-N-T-I-E, I'm very big, you mentioned the nomenclature at the top, I'm very big into these anti, uh, anti-isms, mm-hmm. um, so anti-up, and uh, often they're open-ended questions, I think yesterday was something like, you know, uh, anti-up, what is the thing your nieces and nephews, or no, my, my nieces and nephews come to me when they need, you know, and blank, and the answers are when they need money. When they need someone to talk to about, you know, X, Y, Z, when they need toys, you know, when they need a hug, when they need to tell a secret. So um, they are so excited that somebody even cares enough to recognize who they are as women and their important role as aunts. Um, So they are engaging not only with the with the posts and the content, but with each other um, and sharing this content with each other. So, you know, and, and as far as where they are geographically, they're across the United States. It's not just the big cities. Um, they are uh, literally everywhere. Um, and sometimes it's, it's relative to the city. So in New York, it's not so strange if a woman is 30 and single, but perhaps in a, in a smaller city in, in the, the, the middle of the country, it, it is. Um, much more of a significant 
challenge for that woman if she um, wants to be married and or if she wants children. And by the way, this group, the PANK, is not just women who want children. It's, of course, women who are child-free by choice, women who can no longer have children, women who could never have children. It's all women who, the, the thing that's in co- that they have in common is that they uh, love the children in their life. And, again, another caveat, it's not just their blood relatives, their nieces and nephews via their siblings. Um, but, as we know, um, many people have children in their lives from their, their college roommate, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later from their, um, from their best friend uh, at work, whomever. So it's about the children in their, in their life. I, I can imagine that everyone, as you say, has different ways in. And I know for, for the article that you published in Colette, <clears throat> excuse me, that you, you have a very much more, there's a sort of a sadness to, the, to the, the angle that you have. But you must be faced with so many. One of the issues or the thoughts that I have is, is how do you participate in them? And, and you know, is it, is it a question of some subgroups forming around different, ga- you know, gangs, so to speak, or, or angles in? Um, and, and then how do you evaluate the engagement? Is there, is there a, a metric or something you're looking at from a, you know, a typical marketer that you're looking at how your posts are stimulating the conversation in your group? So, uh, yes, so I, you're right, I do come to this um, as one who is childless by circumstance. I remained single and chose to wait for the man I love who has apparently been busy with other things. And, um, but I, and there, there was grief and there was sadness around it. I'm now 49 and um, I am of, and have always been a, a pretty happy woman and I am today. I have no regrets. It's more that there is a natural, when the, it's really about the idea that is if a single woman is not in pain when a woman who's, who's married or coupled uh, trying to have a baby, she's, she is, do the pain of of infertility when one who is infertile by circumstance um, is is not do that grief. So that's that's one of the the issues that I try to bring up. And that is, you mentioned otherhood at the top of the conversation. That's what my memoir, Otherhood: uh, Modern Women Finding a New Kind of Happiness, is about. That experience of women who expected love, marriage, and and motherhood, um, and yet remain single. And childless. So, um, and in terms of the 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 the, the sort of the, the sub cohorts within this larger tribe, yes, in the in the closed Facebook group, those women have conversations um, together and share their thoughts together. And or you know because it is it, because again these women have um, they come to the group with a. It's a very positive thing, right? It's love for children. And so they already come to the group. They don't come to the group in sort of this um, this victim way or an or antagonizing way or any of that. It's really, you know, as one who didn't, who doesn't want children and respect the fact that you do, the issue for me is that when people say, well, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll change your mind one day, you know, I'm just fed up with that kind of response. And 
the women from all cohort, cohorts or the women specifically in that cohort will offer their, their opinion um, and their thoughts or even just their support. And in terms of, you know, measuring engagement, you know, it, frankly, for me, it doesn't matter as long as they're engaging. Um, for me, it is, well, okay, that question didn't work today. It's not the end of the world. Let's try something else. Sometimes, frankly, it's because Facebook has its own magic sauce to its algorithm, and you don't know if it's something you asked or pondered or for whatever reason, there were other things that kept their face, their news feeds busy that day. Um, really, it's when I work with other marketers, my, my clients, who want to um, engage with these women. And it's my job, you know, having done this for a decade, to help them um, frame the messaging that around their own key messages so that um, it is something that the um, savvy aunties are more attuned to. Um, I did a, a, a national uh, um, research study on the PANK um, in the late spring, which is coming out soon. Get yeah, excited. watch and one, Yes, yes. One of the things that we, we saw was that, um, in fact, women, uh, to a quite large degree, uh, you know, basically like four and five, Four out of five are, are very interested in having marketers recognize their role as an ant in how they market to them, um, certainly with, with juvenile products. So, um, so they're, you know, and I tried and coached my, my clients to, to recognize that, you know, if, if nobody ever calls your name, and, you know, actually, uh, depending on their age, um, I don't know if you had this, um, when you were growing up, but there was a show in Canada and the U.S. called Romper Room, and at the end of Romper Room, the it was sort of like a little preschool setting, and the teacher would would you know name names of children, right? But sort of randomly, and every child, including me, would sit by the TV waiting, hoping she'd say Melanie, and she did once, she did, mm-hmm. and so you know, I I trying to you know when. When we when they hear their name, not literally, but the role mm-hmm. of and from a big brand, whether it's I remember I when I was doing a deal, announcing a deal on Twitter a few years ago with Tropicana, um, and I tweeted out something like, you know, because uh, Tropicana values the role in, of the ant in the family village, um, because the uh, the the campaign itself was family related. The immediate response was. I always knew that orange juice tasted better, you know, from yeah. from these ants, and it was sort of a wink, and you know, mm-hmm. but it was the idea that, yeah, any brand that recognizes them, they will open their ears and eyes to. It doesn't mean that they will automatically buy the product, become loyal customers, but at least um, they're listening. And then it's really at that point up to the brand to, you know, I can get like, what do they say? You can bring the horse to water, hmm. but you can't make him drink. So um, sure. So, yeah. so uh, I'm guessing then that maybe this was a sponsored tweet from Tropicana. Was that is that accurate? Yes. Yes. So you're with your marketing background and then working with customers. You're sort of the interlay between the brand and making them figure out the right tonality to reach your audience. What might be some of the biggest learnings that you've had that you know, let's say, going forward for marketers, what you know, what, whatever community they're going after, what kind of advice would you have for marketers? Well, the, the, you know, people, um, marketers, even with the 
the research and in, insights and data that I've shared over the years, um, they still, for some reason, still seem to have a blind spot for this woman. Now, she is, here's, here's who the pank is, I'll, and I'll, I'll share some of the, uh, the fresh new insights with your, with your listening audience that I've yet to reveal publicly, but so here we are. We know uh, that there are approximately um, 20, 20 to 23 million panks in, in the U.S. Um, that's women 18 plus who have a child in their life and don't have a child of their own. Um, we know that these women are um, twice as likely to have a, um, a, a college degree as, as the average um, adult American, three times as like, likely to have an advanced degree. We know, and this is fascinating, that 7% of panks are in the top 1% of all um, female income earners and top 2% overall. So when we talk about that, uh, that one percent, the one percenters, um, or, they they overindex. So, yes, they really overindex, and um, and we also know that ninety one percent of them said that they value the the way that they value their role as an aunt is very important, um, and then another seven percent is important. Um, so you know when when these women are are really indexing high on the value of the role that they play in the family and the family village, um, they, they want to be heard. And yet, um, they still go ignored. And, and we'll see as, um, we'll see what happens this year, but as the holiday season um, approaches, we will likely see um, a lot of ads aimed at parents um, that ants won't see, A, because they're either, um, if they're commercials, they're on children's programming, and unless the ant is there with the child at that moment, which isn't as often as mom or dad, um, they're not going to see it. Or they're in parenting magazines or on parenting sites, um, and they're not reaching this cohort unless they're working with me. And so um, I think what marketers need to consider, if they want this um, cohort of women who, by the way, and this is this is a big wow, is that on toys and games and entertainment like concerts and plays um, and events and on apparel and accessories and shoes and electronics, um, birthdays, holiday gifts, travel um, with their nieces and nephews, not even to them, this is just with them, these women are spending... Uh, Sixty-one billion dollars a year mm. on children they love, including Taylor Swift concerts. Exactly, <laughs> which is half. That's probably half. Um, and but and that does not. What it does not include is the um, two-thirds who contribute to a child's education every year, uh. and whether that's through a college savings plan or through a tutor um, or through you know some the books that they need. Um, and it doesn't include the 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 less frequent non-annual gifts like a newborn baby gift which um is about two i think it's 232 dollars a year that they spend um and then there are those you know those one-time big ticket items um you know whether it is uh you know that uh you know the 
the trip to Europe that they may um, take them on or uh, the car that they buy them because the, some of these ants do that. Uh, you know, it's on average $1,500 a year that these ants spend. So um, so that $61 billion doesn't even account for the less frequent occasion and big ticket items. All right, so the, the lesson for marketers is once you've figured out the community or the, the group that you want to go after, you better know where they are and and start uh, playing to them in their space because they're not watching, for example, tell, you know, kids programs because they don't have kids. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And and to talk to them and and also to not talk about not, don't market to moms, market to women unless it is something that is specific only to mothers like breast pumps. Eh, she probably doesn't need to know about <laughs> for sure. But, um you know, even there was a time even designer diapers. And I was like, well, the ant's going to buy the designer diapers. Like they were like camouflage and sort of, you know, faux denim looks. And, you know, the ant's going to buy those diapers when she goes to pick up, uh, you know, 24 diapers for her sister. Well, I guess the question is how to get that message out. So from another angle, as you're managing this community, are you and how do you try to grow the base of your Saviantes? Uh, so, well, first of all, I just want to say that marketers can come to me <laughs> and I can help them sure. um, parse out through the, through the insights of how to talk to those women and then certainly through my um, platforms can help them reach um, these women and through their platforms help them. Growing the base is now something that the ants themselves are helping me with. Um, in that they, I create um, content, whether it's, um, usually it's image style content, um, you know, the, the posters that people love to share on, on, on Facebook and Instagram, um, and or, you know, comment on them, engage in them in some way. Um, so they are helping me with that, um, which is fantastic. Um, I grow it through paid social advertising, um, which again, frankly, it's it's remarkable because these ants are so um, used to not being spoken to or with that the minute that they see their name and <laughs> hmm. um, they they respond. Hmm. It's really remarkable the engagement on on social ads. Um, and then you know I'm I'm always engaging with them myself so that they know that there is a, a sort of a, a leader um, to this tribe. And, um, and I get, you know, I, I answer their emails. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm engaging with them myself. And so they, in, in return, they know that I'm self-funded. They know that this is something that I've, you know, done on my own because I, I share that with them um, so that they understand how authentic um, this is to me and to them. And so they, um, they are so grateful that someone has, recognized their their worth and their value and their identity um, and the children in their life and that special relationship and so they they support um, they support the platform and they support the uh, the the business which is which is fantastic um, and and they and then on top of that they tend to support the the, the sponsors that work with me because they feel that they are sponsoring them. In that, mm. while they don't get any, you know, monetary feedback from them, they 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 get the recognition, and they um, they 
show gratitude for it, which is extraordinary. So on a regular basis, Melanie, you're, or at least they know that you are not out to do this to monetize them. You know, there's always this sort of, if it's free, then you are the media. Mm. Well, I, the, the truth is they, they know that, um, that revenue comes from their engagement with um, sponsors mm-hmm. and or if they buy a book or if they buy a t-shirt or whatever you know they they understand that yeah, it's um, but but they're they're happy to to do it mm-hmm. i mean this is the type of thing where well sure if you were i mean i've literally had women say you know who are the sponsors because i i'm going to choose them first which is extraordinary so i i don't think that they um i i've in these in this decade um, I've had very little negative feedback in terms of anybody feeling like they've been used. Um, and, you know, and, and there's only so much you can do, i.e., you know, you you have to make money. Right. And I, I don't think that um, they've ever felt like I've taken advantage of them. And, and I certainly I, I certainly do my very best. And I would never work with a, a sponsor that, uh, that I felt was not uh, ethical or... Or trustworthy. Yeah, so I mean, at some level, it's a combination of your integrity, being transparent, and providing value, and then they're happy to pay back per se. Exactly. What? Exactly, and that's that's what that's what platforms should be doing. Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> that's a good lesson. So mm-hmm. uh, I was wondering, you know, as as you manage your, uh, let's say you're the community manager at large, uh, one of the challenges that I can imagine is that the conversation with so many people, as we know on the internet, can go all over the place. Um, is it a question of herding cats? Do you have within your community moderators <clears throat> that help you out, your advocates who are parsing and, and uh, helping to keep the conversation where it should be? Or is that sort of not a problem and, and you're lucky you've got a, a great, pure community? It's For the most part, it is a great, pure community. It's fantastic. On the page, there's very rarely any... Um, any trolling, any, you know, negativity. It's, it's really, frankly, wonderful. In the more intimate group, um, there are certainly those who will report something if they felt that, that um, you know, someone uh, was sharing something that probably didn't belong in the group. If someone was taking... What's wonderful is, you know, there, there was somebody in the group who was leveraging the audience um, or the, the members of the group, rather, um, to promote her own. Um, she, had an, she has an aunt blog, and, and, and I could sort of tell from the way she was asking questions there that it sounded a little too uh, mm-hmm. um, as if she was her, you know, yeah, as her group, right? Um, and they reported it to me right away. Oh, she sent me an email. And, you know, so they took care of it, which was extraordinary. They And they will say... Melanie, we know how hard you work to put this together. We're grateful. So, yeah, with that, I to me, I'm so grateful to to that. I'm grateful that um, I've built a community that um, that respect me enough to take it personally should anyone um, not be honest and true blue within the group. But I can imagine there are times where you see something and it it makes you aghast or or surprises you uh, in somewhat of a negative way because, you know, 
things come out on words and you don't necessarily read them in the way they were intended and that just sort of happens and and do you feel like sometimes you have to sort of take a breath and and let the community manage it or how do i mean there must be like this visceral experience for you because you're so near to it you are it well you know what's wonderful is that i get to now see the conversations that i imagined um, women might be having together um i call it the tribe of a you know a, a group of a group of ants that are friends. I call it the their entourage. A U N T. And nice. so, I, I, it's very rare that I'm able to actually, you know, listen into the conversations. But here I am, able to do that. And these are adults. You know, they're they're having wonderful conversations. It's very rare that, like I said, that there's any negativity. And when there is, they if I haven't even seen it yet, because I can't be everywhere at once. Um, they they take care of it. They, they said, well, you know, what you said to her might have been a little bit harsh, and we know you didn't mean it that way, but, and they, they manage it. So, um, no, I'm, I'm so fortunate that, that it has become really a, a, a very happy place for these women to go. And, and again, because, you know, there are all, there's so many mom groups and forums and parenting groups and forums, et cetera. One of the reasons why I created Savvy Auntie was because we don't have the, the, the you know the the park the sand the sandbox area where like moms and dads do to to share their um, their pride and their concerns and ask for advice etc and so they're just so happy to have this spot that they become very loyal to it and don't want anybody or anything to to sully it well Melanie you must be very proud of your otherhood <clears throat> and um yeah. and I enjoy listening to your uh the way you've expressed this and it seems really wonderful. So how can any uh panks or aunties uh what, what where would you uh, let them know the easiest place where the most uh, interesting places to go are and then also how can any marketers who are interested in working with you with this community how can they get in touch with you or follow you? Thank you. Um very, very much. So, and thank you for recognizing this. This cohort is an important uh, market in um, in in the uh, in the group of niche markets that um, that marketers should should consider. Well, let me just so, jump in, uh, Melanie, one second yeah. and say, you know, when we were working at L'Oreal, we would talk about women who are buying products. They buy products for themselves. They're also buying so many of the products for their men. Uh, when it comes to cars, we all think it's about men who are buying cars, but not at all. You know, the, the buck tends to stop with a woman who looks at the practical matters, as we know. And so let's say that the, the, the women market is much bigger as, as yeah. a vast market. And then within that, it's not such a small niche. It seems like it's a very powerful niche. So I, I wanted to ante up on that one. So continue <laughs> on. And thank you. And it is a powerful niche. Nearly 50% of American women don't have children. Um, the majority go on to have children, but it, it is much, we are no longer having children at, by age 23. Um, in fact, for the first time, um, more women are entering um, their 30s without having had a child. 54% of women ages 25 to 29 are childless. And that time um, in between is, is really valuable because even though I might be 30, up to 30, I, I'm seeing my sister with, a, with girls or, you know, children and and I, and I have a relationship with them. I know one day I'll get married, but even now that relationship as my, as auntie is valuable and is worthwhile and is, is totally relevant. 
Exactly. And, you know, marketers and media um, and family members should recognize um, the, the, the value that she adds. And by the way, there's no legal obligation to Ant. <laughs> you know, she doesn't have to do any of this. Mm. All of it is out of her kindness and generosity. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's really remarkable about this, this, um, this cohort. And they, the Panks, um, can find me. I'm Savvy Auntie on all platforms. Um, and if I may, I'll spell that out because sometimes people don't know um, how I spell Auntie. So it's S-A-V-V-Y-A-U-N-T-I-E on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, SavvyAuntie.com. And um, any marketers... Um, who are interested in learning more and um, and or you know coming in touch with me directly can reach me at melanie at savvyanti.com spectacular melanie thanks for coming on the show lovely to have you on again or at least uh, have have an excuse to hang out with you and uh, have a lovely day oh you too minter thank you so very much this is great thanks for having listened to this recording of the minter dialogue show You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please like the handy Facebook button. Or better yet, head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. But first, relax to Josh Sachs's finger paint. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way To rid me of the gray You mentioned in your lack of self security. Oh, I wouldn't care about the art form as long as you would feel warm, wrapped in canvas. Hold me tightly, slowly we would paint a lover's portrait with all your favorite shades.
You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.